This is Science Friday. I'm Ira Flato. When did you get your last booster shot? I got mine, well, oh, about six months ago. But it appears that I'm in the minority. We've gotten very blasé about COVID vaccines, so much so that only about 20% of the U.S. population has received an updated bivalent booster shot. So what's the current state of our COVID vaccines? Could I get another booster if I wanted to? Here with the answers to what's new with boosters, formulas, and recommendations is Dr. Akiko Iwasaki, Professor of Immunobiology at Yale Medical School in New Haven, Connecticut. Welcome back to Science Friday. Good to have you. Thank you for having me back, Ira. You're welcome. Okay, let's jump into the bivalent boosters. Can you remind us what makes these different than the original ones? So the bivalent booster, as the name suggests, has two types of antigens that are included. The original SARS spike protein, as well as the Omicron BA4, BA5 spike protein. So these proteins are encoded by mRNA, and they're mixed together to give a bivalent booster. The idea is to be able to provide antibodies that react against the original SARS-CoV-2 spike, as well as the variants of concern that's circulating right now. Mm -hmm. Do we know how long this protection from the bivalent boosters lasts? So typically, if you look at the you know history of COVID vaccine, the protection lasts for about six to eight months, and uh, then it starts to decline. So my guess would be that the booster will also be waning in its effectiveness over time. You know, so as you mentioned, you're six months from the last booster. Probably it's, it's uh, time to consider getting another booster shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you anticipated my next question. Can I just walk into the drugstore and get a booster? Will they give it to me? Yeah, I'm not really sure about that. Um, there is no recommendation from the CDC or FDA about the second bivalent booster dose. But um, I did check on my CVS app, and I was able to get an appointment. Uh, my mm. last bivalent booster was about six months ago also. So maybe you can. I don't know. Okay. Well, I'll try it, and you try it, and we'll compare notes later, okay? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so should we, should we anticipate that this is the new standard? These bivalents are here to stay. This is our new standard for COVID boosters. I would think so. For the foreseeable future, the current bivalent boosters are here to stay. Uh, if there is an emergence of another variant that has significant mutations in the spike protein that significantly evade these vaccine-based antibody responses, then there may need to be a modification. But right now, um, I think the current bo bivalent booster uh, should work well. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's let's go to questions we got from our audience. We got a question about the booster from Auntie C on Twitter, who asks, when will the vax not make me sick? I did Pfizer as a booster to Moderna and was sick as a dog, in capital letters. <laughs> I won't do that again. Still masking and following cleanliness protocols for protection. Any answer to that, that Twitterer? Oh, that's a very good question that a lot of people have. You know, the reaction to these vaccines vary greatly between people. Some people just have a little bit of soreness in their arm. Uh, some people develop fever. Some people have a, a long-lasting reaction to these uh, vaccines. So, yeah, it's really hard to 
you know, hard to tell whether the booster, the next booster is going to give you the same kind of reactions or not. But um, I, I do hear concerns and, and some people are hesitant to get another booster because of the reactions that they got. Yeah. If you look at the what I said, 20% just got a booster. That's just amazing. Right. You'd think a lot more people would have gotten one. Uh, there has been talk of a flu and COVID combination shot in the future. Does this make sense to you? Does it seem possible? Yeah, I think uh, it makes a lot of sense in terms of convenience, you know, so that people don't have to remember to make two appointments to get a flu shot and then another, you know, another one for the COVID shot. So if it becomes an annual vaccine campaign for COVID, you know, you might as well get it at the same time as the flu shot. Um, and I think there is effort ongoing to make a you know combined vaccine shot that you just have to get one shot for the two viruses, you know that that's hopefully to come in the future. Yeah, is there any any barrier to doing that? Yeah, well, one of the things that I thought of uh, is that because the COVID vaccines, uh, the mRNA vaccines, have to be kept in a certain temperature. And you can only use the vaccine uh, after thawing within a limited time window, uh, whereas the flu vaccine is kept in a different temperature and it stays uh, for a longer time period. So, you know, these kinds of things have to be worked out in terms of stability and, you know, how long you can keep these vaccines out of the fridge before you have to deliver into somebody's arm. But once those uh, technical details are figured out, um, it's theoretically possible to combine these vaccines. Mm -hmm. Okay, a question now from Oren on Facebook. I would just like to know if there's another vaccine booster we should be getting as youngish adults without special risk factors who have already gotten the covalent booster. I'm pretty sure the answer is no, but getting good info has been frustratingly difficult. <laughs> Doctor, can we give them good info? <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, again, we don't really have a uh, recommendation from the government yet for how frequently we should be boosting people, uh, especially people who are not at high risk. So if you're a healthy adult who's um, gotten boosters and may have gotten infection in the, on the way, it's possible that you, don't, you may not need it quite right now, but maybe there is a full booster coming that is recommended for people, uh, in, including the general public, and I would just follow that guideline. Yeah, yeah. I should say that there are reports that the FDA will recommend another booster for certain people like older adults. We'll hopefully know more in the next few weeks. President Biden intends to end the national COVID-19 public health emergency. I think the date is May 11th. Will that have any impact, do you think, on vaccines and vaccination? Yeah. So because of the uh, emergency provisions, uh, you know, anyone who wanted to get the vaccine could get it for free. After that ends on May 11th, if you don't have a health insurance that covers the vaccine, there may be out-of-pocket payment that, that one needs to do in order to get these vaccines. I'm not sure exactly uh, how that's going to be worked out, but there may be an impact like that where, in terms of accessibility of vaccines to yeah. anyone who wants it. Do you think when the president ends the public health emergency that people are going to say, well, this epidemic is over? I don't have to worry about COVID transmission anymore. Um, I think many people are already saying that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <but> <laughs> for someone who's studying COVID and long COVID, uh, there are definitely issues that are still ongoing. And uh, we are still seeing, 
a significant number of infections and death happening from COVID. And of course, uh, very worrisome is the fact that a lot of people are also getting long COVID. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah. What do we know about at this point, how the vaccine protects against long COVID and what happens with long COVID? Right. So there are many studies that are done on this topic. And uh, I think the consensus is that the vaccines do prevent long COVID to some extent, uh, possibly around 30 percent. So it's it's definitely best to get vaccinated in order to avoid uh, acute and long COVID. But it's not perfect. Uh, People can certainly get long COVID after vaccination. And so that sort of brings me to, you know, practicing other types of measures to prevent getting COVID, such as mask wearing and avoiding crowded indoor settings and so on. But I know a lot of people are very uh, sick and tired of thinking about these issues, but the virus isn't done with us. So I, yeah. you know, I still yeah. keep doing that myself. I do too. You know, if, if I know people with long COVID and you don't want to get, you know, up your chances of getting long COVID. Absolutely not. Yeah. Is that protection against long COVID different if you've received two shots versus a booster versus two boosters? Yeah, that kind of uh, detailed information is not available yet. But I would think that keeping your immune system revved up by the amount of booster doses that that are needed uh, will be protective against both acute and long covid you know, so that would be my guess is that if you're up to date with your booster doses, it's uh, probably best in terms of avoid, avoiding getting the long COVID as well. We don't know of any harm to getting more boosters, do we? Yeah, well, that's, um, you know, I would never say that, um, you know, there is no harm associated with anything because every medical intervention carries some risks. And it, it is true that there are people who are getting a reaction to the vaccines people who are suffering from long-term consequences after vaccination. And that's uh, something that we are starting to investigate, these vaccine-associated you know, adverse events. So I wouldn't say there is no risk at all for getting the booster. There, there's risk-benefit uh, calculation that one needs to do for any medical intervention. Let's talk about something new in the vaccine world. And I'm talking about the development in COVID nasal sprays. There was a study this week from Germany that found a live attenuated nasal vaccine provides special immune protection. Can you tell us about that? Is that promising? Right. So uh, nasal vaccines in general can establish immune responses in the nose where uh, you first uh, encounter the virus. And uh, that has a lot of advantages uh, because if you can prevent the virus from replicating and spreading throughout the body, the less chances of you getting sick or uh, transmitting the virus to someone else or developing long COVID and other complications. So nasal vaccines are very promising. The study that you're referring to from Germany uses uh, attenuated virus to elicit these responses. And there is another uh, vaccine that is also live in attenuated version of the virus that's being developed by a company called Codagenics. And those are already in clinical phase trials. So uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully we'll see the results coming from those studies soon. You're also developing a nasal spray for COVID. Can you tell us about what you're working on? Sure. Yeah. So our vaccine uh, is called Prime and Spike. It's a strategy based on taking advantage of our existing immune response to the spike and then redirecting that response to the nasal cavity 
by using a nasal spray that delivers the spike protein itself. And so that works really well in uh, preclinical animal models. We haven't taken it to human clinical trials yet, but we have a uh, company that has licensed this technology and that, that company is trying to raise money to be able to do that. Yeah, because I've seen I've seen thinking that says, you know, the nose is right out there out front. Literally, it's the first place you defend uh, yourself from viruses. Why not attack that? Bring in the, the, the counterattack to that place first. Exactly. And that's the whole um, point of the nasal spray vaccines, because it does allow you the, the uh, protection and barrier right at the nose um, instead of waiting for the circulating immune responses to detect the virus. Mm-hmm. Could we see the day where COVID nasal vaccines maybe are more common than the shots we have now? Yeah, that would be uh, like a dream come true because it, it does make immunological sense to deliver the vaccine where the protection is needed, which is the nose and the mouth and uh, places that you would acquire the virus first. And a lot of people who might be uh, afraid of needles or hesitant about the current vaccines, maybe the nasal vaccine will be a little bit more amenable to (laughs) taking than the, the shots. This is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. In case you're just joining us, we're talking with Dr. Akiko Iwasaki, professor of immunobiology at Yale Med School in New Haven. Are you keeping your eye on vaccine developments that uh, that are coming in months or years that might be a whole new way of creating vaccines? Yeah, so we're in the, you know, sort of immunology field, uh, developing next generation vaccines and the the, the future generations of vaccines. And uh, a lot of people are putting great ideas to, to, uh, you know, practice and, and seeing whether that they would be better than the current vaccines. For example, uh, if we can make a panserbico virus vaccines or, you know, things that are cross-reactive against all the variants, that would not require any update for boosters and it would, you know, prevent future uh, variants from taking over. So those types of new generation of vaccines are being developed uh, in the laboratories and some of them are Mm. um, even in early phases of clinical trials. So you go right to the body of of the virus instead of those spike proteins. Right. So that's the other kind of idea where why don't we include other antigens from the virus, like the nucleocapsid or some other molecules that are not as uh, frequently mutating. And Mm. those will afford us sort of cross-reactive immunity as well. Wow. Well, thank you, Dr. Iwasaki, for this update. I I think we're all very happy to to know what's going on in the vaccine world. Dr. Akiko Iwasaki, professor of immunobiology at the Yale Medical School in New Haven, Connecticut. Thank you for taking time to join with us. Thank you so much, Ira.